Hello everyone, Gary here live at Learning Technologies where I was lucky enough to speak to some brilliant people from the world of L&D for 15 to 20 minutes each and you are about to watch or listen to one of these episodes now. If you like what you're hearing from our guests, just check the description, there's a link in there where you can connect with them. That's also where you'll find the link to the death of the LMS guide, a report which helps you build a skills-first approach to L&D. So as always, any feedback or if you like this format, you can let me know on LinkedIn and otherwise enjoy the episode. Pleased to say joined by Ali Jones, leadership development expert, learning experience designer and co-founder of Coachable to talk about some of the principles of learning experience design to ensure we're engaging learners and building skills. So to set a bit of context, Ali, for what we're going to talk about, whether it's the fact that almost half of all employees want to learn at their point of need or the fact that the skill shortage has brought us to this point where basically there's six open roles for every qualified person. There's never been more need for L&D teams to design experiences that engage us and help us develop in those crucial moments. So hopefully we're going to discuss a few principles for the next 15 minutes or so that will help people tackle that problem. And the first one is thinking like a marketer and how this can help us build better experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've all heard of this concept of death by PowerPoint, but I think we're way beyond that now. That None of us sit at our desk with the luxury of going, you know what, I've got five hours today that I can just invest in whatever I would like to. Um, so when we're thinking about the types of learning that we want to engage with, really there has to be something that's in it for me. Why should I invest my time, my energy, when I have got 101 other things on my to-do list to learn? And the only reason I'm really going to engage with that is if there's some kind of benefit in there for me. And I think that's where as learning practitioners we can design some really impactful and valuable learning content which is just wasted if it's not accessed and it's not being able to have the impact that it's been designed to have. So thinking about well, how do we start switching the hats that we're wearing? We're experts in whether that's content design, whether that's UX, whether that's facilitation or coaching. But one of the hats that we quite often forget to put on is that marketing hat. And lots of us don't come from a marketing background. Um, but for me, it's asking that really simple question of well, what's in it for them? Yeah. Not what do I think they should care about? What do they actually care about? And how am I marketing that learning intervention in a way that speaks to them yeah. in the way they want to And once we get that principle right, I know you'll agree on this as well, it enables us to do more pull learning than push because you know, if we're tapping into those problems people want to solve or challenges they're facing or growth goals, whatever it is, if the content is there that serves that, then people are going to search for it more and therefore we don't need to be as aggressive in how we push because people are coming to us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's nothing worse than when you are told to do yeah. some learning yeah. and my mind automatically goes to compliance learning yeah. and actually if I go right back to the start of my L&D career, that's where it was. Yeah. And it's painful. You've just got somebody sat next to you going, what was the answer to question five? The learning transfer doesn't happen. But if I think there's something that's in there for me, you know, is that gonna make me a better leader? Is that gonna make me feel more confident in managing or handling conflict? I'm searching for that. And if that's even more specific, like how to give feedback to your manager, for example, or how to let somebody go if you're worried you're gonna cry, I don't know, yeah. like really, yeah. really niche things. I'm searching for that, I'm engaging with it. And if I'm engaged with it, 
my reward system and my brain is already starting to go off, that learning just becomes so much more easily absorbed than if I'm being told to learn something I don't want to learn. I agree. My favourite analogy for it is imagine you get invited to a party that you actually want to go to versus we've all been there we've been dragged to a party or we wanted to didn't want to go visit nan but we've been dragged there today like yeah. the mindset you take into those situations is very different oh i can i can see my husband there rolling his eyes <laughs> yeah. at that one yeah. <laughs> sitting in the background totally waiting agree. to i don't oh, want to have to mingle with go? people yeah <laughs> And, and I think once we do that part, right, we understand what's in it for someone else. We understand the problems we're trying to solve, creating a place where they can go and find it. We need to make sure that the learning experiences itself are kind of built with the learner in mind, the moment of need in mind. So what are some of the principles when we're actually designing the content itself? I think the first thing I start with is what's the actual need? If I reflect back to kind of my early days as well, I used to just say yes. Can you design this? Yeah, I would love to. I want to be able to help. But actually, as, as an organisation, where are we going? What are the behaviours, the competencies, the capabilities as an organisation we need to deliver on that strategy? And therefore, how are the learning interventions actually going to kind of plug that gap? Um, and then for me, it's about better understanding, well, who are the people that are learning? Um, Pretty much everything that I do is centered around manager and leadership development. But in that kind of framework or those pockets of managers and leaders, there's so many different types of people at different stages of their careers that learn differently, that are engaging in different types of content. So how do we go through a process of that kind of persona mapping? And I don't like the word persona, but who are the people that are we gonna be gonna be helping to learn? And how do they want to learn best? So starting to map out that learner journey, what are the opportunities that we have to create those moments of joy? And equally, where are those moments where we might lose them from a disengagement perspective? Yeah, there's two things in there that really stuck out to me. One is how are we measuring success of something? So then you know, I when we build a course, we need to think about that, have it baked in. It's no use just saying the goal is consumption of the content because it behavior changes, something you mentioned there, the performance indicators, whatever those are, that's something we have to keep in mind as well, isn't it? And I guess the other one is context. So what is the person trying to do in that moment where the content is relevant? You know, we know the goal or the how we're going to measure success, but also spoke about the person, the human at the end of it. In that moment, what are they? What problem are they coming across? You know, what's the environment? Um, how long have they got? There's all these different things that feed in. And I think that's where this one size fits all for learning just doesn't work. Um, I'm a facilitator. I absolutely love being in person. I get so much energy from it. And from a behavioural change perspective, we know that that really helps. But if I'm sat there about to do something I don't know. Going to an in-person workshop is absolutely pointless. It's not accessible, it's not available. What I need is to get my phone out or to get on my laptop or whatever it is and get that information immediately, whether that's a blog post, whether that's kind of an e-learning module, whether that's um, accessing an online course or a pre-recording, whatever it is, that one size fits all. And I, I think it can be easy for us to assume because we as the designers have a preferred learning style that our learners do too. And that's absolutely not the case. Yeah, yeah we have to ditch all assumptions. And I'd be curious to know your perspective from both a designer and a facilitator perspective, but how much of this comes back to spending time with the learner, 
doing that audience research, really truly understanding people and how they phrase problems, where they go when they're in the moments of need, how much of it comes back to that? It's so important. Uh, and the analogy that I would use is, if I say, you know, we're here at the Excel, let's go and drive to Manchester, yeah. would we just get in the car <laughs> and wing it? No. Or if we're going to a particular venue, might we use a sat-nav and yeah. plan out our route? Oh, there's a road closure, we might want to go a different way. Yeah. Um, and it's no different. If we just assume yeah. that because somebody has given us a brief, kind of a brief on this is where we want to head to, that yeah. we know the way yeah. without anticipating who are the passengers on that journey? What are yeah. the roadblocks that we might face? I, I think, well, I can't remember what the phrase is. Um, fail to prepare, prepare oh, yeah, yeah. to fail. I always get that wrong every time I say it. Uh, so always, I'm yeah. terrible <laughs> with analogies. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. If you don't know who your audience is yeah. and their pain points, how can you solve their problem and how can you market yeah. that learning intervention to them? Yeah, something we speak about quite often, I'm curious to know if you agree with is, People often in the desire to prove L&D's impact get stuck into this point of creating content and distributing content and kind of miss this. And it's something I want to ask you about is the things we do before and after the learning really matter as well, don't they? They really do. And we think about most kind of absorption of learning, yeah. use the analogy of getting on a bike. You don't get on it and just learn how to ride yeah. the first time. It takes that repeated behavior yeah. to create those new habits. So actually, how often do we kind of go tick that's done? We're, we're all super busy. We've, I have absolutely been guilty of this. Move on to the next thing. But how often do we touch base to see how people felt about the learning? Probably quite often. How often do we touch in six weeks, six months, a year down the line to see not only for the individual learner what has changed in terms of that learning thing embedded, but also at an organisational level, where are we seeing those transformations showing through? What are we seeing in terms of those key metrics that we were hoping to influence? It's it, Learning is something that pays in dividends. We know that you won't get a result tomorrow, probably, but you absolutely will see the returns. Yeah. yeah, I think one thing is um, sort of stakeholder management is part of it in that situation as well, isn't it? Like how well are we communicating to people the impact of what's happening? And then yeah, I guess another thing is when we sit down at the start and we discuss what we measure, what our measures of success are, are we actually understanding the timescale? It's easy to say, well, we want behavior change in X form or, you know, like whatever the metric is, but when are you expecting to see that? And then that matters when you ask the question. Someone made a good point to me about onboarding that. We ask onboarding feedback at the end of onboarding, say three months or six months, but never at the point when someone's been in the role for three months trying to apply it and saying, well, now that you've done the job for three months, did it actually prepare you to do it? How useful was it? Are we now seeing that behavior change? So I guess there are two things there. It's, a, it's about understanding the timelines when you build a learning experience, but also who do you, do you bring in in terms of stakeholders as well? And that's a really important question. And I think stakeholders are, is a big part of, can I have some budget because we want to do this? And yeah. um, because it's going to have X amount of impact. And that for me, it just comes back to influencing. And I think it's something that lots of us struggle with. Um, but for me, that all comes down to the relationships that we build. What's the level of trust that is between me and my stakeholders? Um, one of the things, and I know we've spoken about it before, but the, looking at the trust advisor as a lens for that. So how credible am I coming across? How reliable am I in my delivery? 
what's the level of intimacy between myself and the stakeholders? So in other words, how deep is that relationship? How much do they feel that they can confide in me about what the real business problems are? And is my focus on, well, this is what we need to do because it's good for the learning team, or actually is my focus or my self-orientation really low, so I'm focused on what's important for that stakeholder? Um, so what's, what does it mean in their language? If I go to France um, and I ask somebody a question in French, yeah. they're probably much more likely to be able to engage than if I asked it in German. 100%, yeah. Yeah, it is about, you know, it's a, it's a marketing principle to leverage, but if you're not speaking like your audience, you're never going to resonate with your audience and, and you're really going to fall off a cliff in terms of getting by in early on. And like you said, storytelling's a big part. Thinking about who you're telling the story to is the other part. And um, I know we're talking about learning experiences, but you, you know, a big part of that is not just designing it so it works in this case, it's communicating the success so the next time you build it, the cycle is there and the sort of flywheel. Exactly, and you want those advocates in the business that are going to advocate for the strategies that you're proposing or the learning interventions or we're wanting to invest in a new learning platform. You need those people in the organization that see the value in it. And one of the things that makes me really sad is whenever we hit an economic crisis like we're in at the moment, it's, you know, it's my friends in L&D that usually have that lens shone on them. But I equally think that that's a, a learning and a reflective point for us as practitioners about what can we do to demonstrate the value in it for the yeah. business. Yeah, there's a real parallel with marketing there. I remember when COVID happened, a lot of companies cut their marketing budget because we don't need to spend now. The problem is the companies who cut their marketing spend, once we come out of the pandemic, they lost all that momentum, they didn't have the people they needed to ramp up, and therefore, it's a similar thing with L&D. If you cut L&D people now because there's a crisis, then when the crisis ends, you're not gonna come out as strong as the companies who are still investing in skilling people. You know, Even if you have to make layoffs, the people you retain, the way you are able to skill them and prepare them for when the economy does turn, those are the companies that will kind of come out it quickest out of the blocks. But yeah, if you're making cuts, you, you, it's an easy thing to do without considering the long-term impact, I guess. Absolutely. And I always use the analogy of you go out for your, your business and you go and get seed funding or you're going for a funding round. Those investors aren't saying, excellent, I'm going to get a 200% return on yeah. that next week. Yeah. They're playing the long game. Yeah. And as organizations, I'd like to think that we're all playing the long game too. We're trying to grow sustainably. And you're absolutely right that if we don't invest in our talent now, where does that leave us in six months, 12 months, 36 months down the line? And I know which side of the game I would rather be on. Yeah, no, I think it all comes full circle. We're talking about understanding when we expect the learning experience to have impact, but we also need to think long-term about when we're going to see company goals potentially being reached or where do we see our role in helping hit those goals in the long term. So yeah, skills can, these experiences can help solve problems in the short term, but there's also a real long-term mentality to it. Any um, final LX tips we missed on uh, like the design or creation front? I think my final tip would be just to partner with the business. You're there as an enabler. You're not there as a, as a cost or a luxury. Yes, absolutely having um, kind of learning budgets of people is a great way to attract and retain good talent. But actually, you know, partner with the business, help them achieve their long-term goals. It will pay back in dividends 
for the L&D team. Yeah, no, it's true. The better our relationships, the better we are to spot problems, the better our credibility is through relationships, the more yeah. easy it is to win people over. So couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Cool. Ali, a pleasure as always. Thank Thanks, you very much. Gary. Cheers. Thanks. Before you head off, I want to tell you about two very exciting things. Death of the LMS, your free guide to skills first L&D is now live. From the numbers that explain L&D's current problems to lessons on how you can build a skills-led strategy, this is going to help you drive more impact through learning. You'll find the link right at the top of this episode's description. And just below that, a link to our new weekly walkthrough where we show you how this can be done in practice and give you a tour of how now. Our learning experience platform that gets five times more engagement than a traditional LMS. So, Thanks for listening and we look forward to seeing you again for another episode of the podcast.